This episode is brought to you by Manplow. If you're in the market for a shovel, use coupon code John Scott to get a nice little discount for your new shovel purchase or whatever else. They have a lot of other products. So check it out. Coupon code John Scott, Manplow. Thanks, Manplow. Hey, everybody. This is John Scott, former NHL player, trying something new today. I'm doing a podcast. The first one of my life. Never thought I would do a podcast, but I thought, what the hell? Why not give it a shot? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with yours truly, John Scott. I'm sitting here with my man, John Aiken, and Larry's sitting in on this one. Welcome back. It's been a while. It's been an eventful week, so we, we missed, I think, uh, an episode just because... Yeah, a lot going on last week. A lot, a lot happened. Yeah, let's let's start off actually. Let's talk through a couple different things because you were in the news a lot, just randomly out of the blue. It's been super quiet for for a, a few months, and then all of a sudden, you know, I get all these Twitter notifications and all kinds of stuff popping up about John Scott, John Scott, all over the news again. Um, I think the first thing that happened actually was. Um, something with, with a Bruins player, as you know, I'm a huge hockey follower inside and out. And this guy named David Posternak, they call him the pasta man, the pasta man. Yeah. Which is funny because I just mentioned him on a few podcasts ago, but how great of a player he is. I think he's going to win, you know, the MVP is having a great year. Then all out of the blue, I was, gosh, I think I was at, I was tobogganing with my kids and I just started getting these updates like, Hey, you know, you're, you're trending someone mentioned you pastor knock mentioned you i was like what so i jumped on my phone and i saw him and marshawn were doing something for the bruins and he mentioned my name like the scariest moment of his career was when i asked him to fight which is hilarious because he's super skilled guy and i used to do that all the time where if the game was you know going pretty boring if it was a boring game and i wasn't really doing anything and after i beat up sean thornton anytime we played the bruins I could do whatever I want with them. Like I, I just kind of, it was funny because uh, yeah, like they were the big bad Bruins. But as soon as I beat up Thornton, Chara and Lucic and all their McQuaid and all those guys, they just kind of, we call it looking for quarters. Whenever I'm on the ice, they just keep their head down. And so, anyways, I just start, I would ask all their star guys to fight, and so I'd line up with Pasternak or Bergevin or Marshawn. Like, all right, let's go. Come on. No one else is going to fight me. It's got to be you. And it's funny that that would affect them in that way where he, and who knows if he was serious, but he looked like he was pretty sincere when he said he lost sleep over it. But it was cool to see like two years later, he still remembers that, that time. Cause I I forgot. Cause yeah, I I used to say it all the time to the skill guys. And I think they were a little nervous because I did jump Phil Kessel, who was a skill guy with the Leafs one time. And I think everyone thought I was a little crazy where this guy doesn't care. He'll fight anybody. Hit in the head too many times. Yeah, and it was neat to see that. I, yeah. I felt important again for for that. Do you remember? Moment. Do you remember that incident? Do you remember lining up with him? And no, not at all. Because I used to do it to everybody. I would line up versus Crosby, and I'd be like, "Let's go, big boy. Now's your chance. I'll make you famous. Come on." And I would do that on a consistent basis when the other team didn't have a tough guy. Yeah. And it's funny. I never thought it worked i thought they'd be like oh whatever this guy is he sucks he's bad at hockey but see you know it obviously worked with pastor and i kind of got in the back of his head where holy cow he said he pretended he couldn't speak english (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's a mental thing because yeah if if that if they're thinking about that then they're not thinking about scoring goals they're worried about me jumping them from behind or going out just chasing around the ice a little bit i didn't know i probably were worried they were going to score so i was 
playing super passive, but you know what? Did people ever say anything back to you? Some guys, some guys knew I was joking. Like if I were to say that to Marshawn, he'd be like, beat it nerd. Like you're not going to do anything. You got to catch me first, stuff like that. And like Claude Giroux was one of the best trash talkers out there. He's the captain of Philly. And me and him would go back and forth a lot. And I would just say, keep it up, Giroux. Your, it, your time's coming. You're going to get it. Cause Philly, they, they played like a, a tough style of hockey and, but they never really had a heavyweight. They had Rose Hill for a while, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't really fight. So yeah, it's fun to have this, these banters with these skill guys because I think most tough guys leave them alone. And I was one of the guys who would ask them to fight and kind of, you know, talk, talk trash to them. And it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fun to, you know, bring back memories. It's been two and a half years since I played. So it's nice that I'm still relevant, at least to Pasternak or Pasternak. What about pests? We could talk about that. 15 years ago, there was a guy who hit Wayne Gretzky one time. Wayne was cutting across the blue line. This guy laid him out. The guy never played another game again because I don't know if they sent him down or the fear of retribution. He was done. And if you touch certain players, there was five guys coming after you like that. Yeah. Like that. Nowadays, people take runs at Crosby, Kane, Matthews. Like guys, like that's their job is to take runs at these guys and just try to hurt them. It's like that would not fly 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. There'd be a whole team trying to kill you. Like that's what their job would was to like beat the crap out of these pests. And there was no pests because no one was, no one dared do that. Like if Larry was a skill guy and I went like this, I'd have a guy chopping at my face. Sorry, Larry. <laughs> He's like, ow. Slice Larry's <laughs> arm open. And I just think it's funny that, that, that popped up in my discussion this week. We're like, no one's scared to do anything nowadays. Everything's so normalized. So you would line up against these these skill players and you would just try and get under their skin. It's kind of like what you had talked about in this Radio Lab interview about the pests and how your job was to chase after them and to keep them um, open. So did you ever did you ever talk back to the pests and then jump them or were they hard to chase down? Or? You know, it's funny. I Everyone knew who the pests were and they knew, like everyone knows everyone's job. It's It's no secret. And I know I'm doing a good job when I don't even notice the pests on the ice. And every team had one. You know, some teams had a couple. But a good night is when they just, you know, are quiet. And we'd go in and play the Islanders, Matt Martin, Mega Pest, Cal Clutterbuck, Super Pest. They would be church boys. They would not say a thing. They would, you know, they would throw an odd hit here or there. That's fine. But they are like maniacs when I watch them. Yeah. And they just run around and they just try to you know, kill people. But, you know, I, I come into the rink. I don't say anything. If, if they do take a run at somebody, I said, that's enough. It doesn't take much to get in someone's head. I say, Matt, that's enough. One more time. Yep. I'm going to take care of business. That's it. Like it doesn't have to be, I always hated tough guys who be screaming from the bench. They're red in the face. Like I'm going to kill you. It's like, no, I think less is more like I've done that when I'm super, super upset. And my, you know, emotion gets the best of me, but I was more of a less is more guy. I'm like, keep it up. It's going to happen. And then they would quiet down. One of the best compliments I've ever had was um, Chris Neal, super tough guy from Ottawa, but more of a middleweight, like really, really hard checker. The One of the best compliments I had was one of my star guys, star players, when I went to Buffalo, Thomas Vanek, he's like, yeah, before you came, whenever we'd go to Ottawa, Chris Neal would destroy everybody like he would just be throwing massive hits chirping our bench and now you've been here for a year and a half i don't even know he's he's here that's awesome like no yeah. one even knew he was in the game mm -hmm. because he knew 
And I never had to say a word to him. I respected Chris Neal. He's a tough guy. But I would have beat his doors off if he would have done something. Yeah. And he knew it. I Did you ever have to fight him? No. No. He just didn't want to, didn't want to mess with didn't, you. Didn't even want to toe the line. And yeah. that was – that's what I think media and outside people don't understand. It's like, oh, these guys are goons. They, they just cause fights. They're, you know, they're terrible for the game. I – prevented more fights than I ever did start, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. And maybe you being yeah. there, the presence on the ice is probably more than enough to keep people. I was, yeah, I was a policeman and I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't. Did they, would they, would they track the lineup and see if you were playing? Would oh, they? for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to do that. I would track the lineup if a tough guy was playing. I would know exactly when and where. I would have a sigh of relief if a tough guy wasn't dressed that night and I was playing. I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to fight. I was just watching videos of Steve McIntyre like 25 minutes ago. Yeah. And I was like, there was one video of me and him like almost fighting. And I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't have to fight that guy. (laughs) He was a killer. And I I was nervous every time he would be on the ice. Like he would crack the ice when he would, you know, step on the ice. He was such a big meat of a man like Saskatchewan boy, like his face was as big as this table. Like he's just huge. And I think I played against him two or three times and he asked me to fight once in the preseason. I was like, nah, I'm okay. No, <laughs> no thanks. Like it's, it's the preseason. No, thanks. I don't want to get my face smashed in. So he was, he was the main one. Steve McIntyre guy was an absolute assassin. And he, he definitely affected the way I played. He was, he was probably the only one. Where I was like, okay, if I line up this guy, I'm gonna have to fight McIntyre. Maybe I should take a, you know, take it easy a little bit. Yeah. But other than that, there wasn't really anybody. That's interesting. Yeah. So the first big thing was the Pasternak thing, and then the second one was I. So I did this interview three, four months ago with um, Radiolab, and I'm I'm pretty naive to the whole podcast scene. I, I don't realize how popular. You know, I have my four or five podcasts I listen to. Other than that, everybody else is like dead to me. So I, this guy approached me and he tried to, he's tried to interview me for two and a half years. And I just kind of whatever, whatever, you know, he started right at the all-star game and I was so busy. I just kind of put it to the back burner. And then, you know, I started to get bored. I didn't have many interests and this guy still kept pestering me. He's like, I would love to do the interview. Every few months he'd still drop me a line. And so finally I said, you know, son, sure, let's do it. And we talked three months ago. He, it's this radio lab NPR, I, I believe it is. It was, right? No idea what it was. Yeah. And so finally I got on the phone with him and he said, yeah, we have, we average about a million listeners. Mm-hmm. And then the That's self, huge. the selfish side of me, I was like, well, I can use this guy for sure. Like <laughs> get on his podcast to plug. Now that I have one, I can plug mine on there and just totally, you know, benefit from it. So I, I, yeah. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I did an interview and he was he was super pro. Like this guy, like we had a sound engineer come to my house and this, this lady made me turn off my furnace, turn off my fridge, like no sounds in the whole house. And like, we had to make sure it was complete dead silence, which yeah, is hard in my house. Cause I, and then they followed you around the house, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I had to like put my kid to bed. They would follow me. I had to go and they would follow you everywhere. It's amazing. You had a lot of tweets from moms talking about like, I can't believe that he was able to get his kid to sleep just like that. I know. We, that's <laughs> after years and years and years of practice. And she did, I think, fuss for five minutes. That's that's her thing where she cries for five minutes and she passes out. But yeah, that's we've got it down to a science. But anyways, yeah, they came over. We did the interview and I, I didn't really think anything of it. And it just dropped literally after the Pasternak tweet. So I, I had a lot of 
buzz about that. And I was like, wow, I am like, you know, trending pretty famous this week. It's yeah. nice. And then I had a little bit of, you know, all-star game buzz because the all-star game's coming up and I usually do a couple of interviews and I was like, man, I'm starting to get popular again. It was nice. Nothing crazy. A couple like tweets and Instagram, whatever, um, pokes. And I was, I was feeling good about myself. Yeah. And then I listened to that radio lab podcast. It was really, really well done. So I, I was, I was feeling good. You got okay. So you got after the Radio Lab thing, you were getting a lot of messages and people leaving comments on on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram about, hey, there should be a movie someday. Um, and I know you talked about when your book came out that there was a movie being made about it. Mm-hmm. What's the update on that? So my rights were purchased by um, a production company called Mandalay Production. They they've done a bunch of sports movie. They did like Invincible, and that skiing this this the eagle um anyways so r- totally coincidence coincidental i i had a call from the guy who wrote my script mitch album and he, i think he's going to produce it or direct it i'm not i don't really you know worry about it too much but he called me out of the blue i talked to him every four months just if he wants to update me on what's happening and he's like yeah you'll never guess what happened so hugh jackman called me today and i was like what are you talking about and I guess Hugh Jackman, they they really wanted him to be me in the movie months ago. And because the way it works is you approach actors, you let them have a month to read the script and they can kind of chew on it. If they don't want it, they send it back and then you have to go to another actor. So it's, it's a very long process. And so they, they went to Hugh Jackman. He was one of the first picks and he said, no, I'm too busy. It's a great story, but I can't, you know, I can't do it. So he had passed on it probably six months prior. And he was driving in his car to New York from New Jersey. I think he lives in New Jersey or something. And he was listening to his favorite podcast, which just happened to be Radiolab. And my episode pops up. And he's listening to the episode and he calls the guy who wrote my script, Mitch Album. He was another famous guy. He wrote a bunch of books and he's, you know, big in the hockey sports writing world. So he calls Mitch and he's like, hey, what is whatever happened to that movie? And Mitch and him start talking. He's like, yeah, Mitch said, yeah, we have someone, you know, in line. We're, we're you know, in the works right now to sign this person on. And he was like, you know, I, I'd like to, you know, talk about that some more if, it, if it's still on the table. And obviously, you're going to, you know, you're not going to say no to Wolverine. Yeah, you don't say no to Wolverine. Yeah. And so the hell? Mitch got all jacked up. And Did he say it in an Australian accent? Good day. Yeah. Like the Wolverine. <laughs> I don't know. And so that was cool just to kind of. That's if, awesome. If that man. ends up coming around because of that podcast, it's kind of neat. But who knows? You know, he was a famous guy. He's probably got ten movies already in the world. Yeah. Go, so guys like that just take a pick, right? Yeah. Like, well, he can do whatever huge. he wants. So if that's he so cool. squeeze my movie in, that'd be pretty cool. It, it would, would go really from great. like a Netflix release to a primetime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that was interesting to kind of a random thing to come from that podcast. That's really cool. Yeah. Even if not, what a cool story. Yeah. Like, that's just to know that like a list top of the chart celebrities are hearing your stories and it's worth talking to other people about. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just awesome. That's great. Thanks, John. I think it's great yeah. too. That's what I'm here for. So yeah, it was a very good week. I thought I was done. You know, we had the Pasternak tweet. We had the radio lab drop. I talked to my movie guy. I was like, Pfft. Not a bad week. And it was only like Wednesday. And then? And then? Near-death experience. I almost killed myself. Yeah. Yeah. Insert dramatic music. <laughs> I wish we had headlines. We could be like, John Scott falls through the ice. <laughs> I'm sure you could find it because there were so many articles written. I was just like, whoa, was it that big of a deal? Yeah. It so really sounded it quite was, scary. Yeah. And just 
It happened to me, right? So I, I think you downplay everything when it happens to you. You're like, oh, you know, not a big deal. I fell through the ice, whatever. I, I survived, not a big deal. It was like a super big deal, apparently, to everybody. Because I've been like, everybody's reached out. But anyway, okay, let's backtrack. Well, here, let's, let's go back just a little bit. So, like, just give some backstory to this. You said when you were growing up that you would skate all the time. And you'd play pond hockey like it's no problem. That was our thing. So yeah. I grew up in St. Catharines, Ontario. And where I lived, there was a pond called Martindale Pond in Port Dalhousie. And I would be there for hours every every day in the winter. And that was our thing. So I was used to skating on open water. I loved it. You could skate for miles and miles without ever having to stop. So yeah. it, it was so fun. And I now – and I, I never – even thought about, you know, falling through the ice when I was a kid, you know, you would always hear every few years, someone fell in and sometimes they passed away, but you never saw it in person. You always heard about it. Your parents would give you the horror story. So I I was never worried about it. And I was cautious, you know, I would always make sure I checked the ice. I would always make sure if I was the first one on the ice, I would be very, 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 very careful. But so anyways, um, fast forward 30 years, 25 years, and I have a house now on a lake, Cedar Lake in Traverse City, Michigan. And last year was the first real winter where I, I had the opportunity to do a lake because I'm now retired. The year before that was too warm. The ice never even froze. So this was the first winter where I could, the second winter, excuse me, where I could make a rink. So last winter, I had my buddy's little ranger go out there which is like a, one of those little SUV things where the yeah dune buggy kind of things. And we put a plow on the front of it and he was plowing the ice with that. It looks like a awesome kind of golf cart kind of thing. Yeah. A yeah. souped up, you know, man golf cart. And mm-hmm. he had a plow on the front. We plowed the rink with that. And mm-hmm. so the so ice he's driving gets this giant machine out there. Right. Yeah. No and problem. No problem at all. And we, we skated on all winter. It was great. And it was a perfect rink. And so fast forward to this winter, we've had a pretty cold winter. And I had been out on the ice the week prior to test it out. I, you know, I, I walked around. Everything was fine. With your kids. With my kids. Yeah. So, and mind you, I went out first and I was jumping up and down on the ice before my yeah. kids even stepped on the ice. So I'm, I'm not like very willy-nilly with the kids. Like, go check it out first. For <laughs> you go, you know, go tell me if it's know, deep. <laughs> let me know if you hear cracks. No. So I, I went out there. It was fine. And so we, we were planning on, you know, shoveling off the ice, getting the rink going. So fast forward one week from that point, we had a nice day. Um, it was a sunny day. There was guys on the lake who were ice fishing, like probably 20, 30 meters from my dock. And I was like, oh, the ice has got to be frozen. I went on it the week before. There's guys ice fishing today. It's perfect. It's sunny. It was sunny all morning, which was great. Mm-hmm. And so my wife goes, hey, go down to the lake. Start, get started on the shoveling. Cause I know you want to, I can tell your antsy to get out there. So I, I grabbed my shovel, grabbed another shovel. So I had two shovels, one to scrape and one to push to snow. And which this is the weird part. I usually, whenever I go and shovel, I always put on my big boots, my snow pants, you know, I get geared up, but this time for some reason I was like, I really want to get down there. So I just put the shoes on. I mow my grass and I grabbed no snow pants and I just ran down. And so I had no pants, just your my just jeans, your undies. my jeans, my <laughs> jeans. And so I, I have, I have two shovels, like my big, heavy, did you take your kids with you? No, I was by myself, by completely by yourself, by myself. Yeah. And so I have my man plow, my, my favorite shovel. And if any of you know a man plow, it's, um, 
it, it has a big, big blade, like 42 inches across. And instead of having one handle, it has the U-shaped handle. So it's easier to push. It doesn't mess up my back, which I learned over years. I would shovel my driveway and I used to have the one handle one and my back would be so sore. But now that I have the man plow, I can just push to snow and it can push twice as much and it, does, it doesn't mess up my back. So I had that over my shoulder anyways. Like a purse? Like a purse, yeah. So my arms looped through it and I had my other heavy steel shovel just in the other hand. And I was heading down there. I was listening to whatever, Pandora, Tragically Hip Radio. And I get down there and I see the guys fishing and I walk to the end of my dock, which is perfectly normal. And the end of my dock is 20 feet deep. It's not like a dock where, you know, it's two, three feet deep. Everybody talked to me like, oh, you know, at the end of your dock, you're probably fine. I was like, no, it's super deep there. Yeah. And there's, so there's videos of you on Instagram with the kids literally like just diving yeah. in. Oh, we dive yeah. in. I never touch the bottom. It's super, yeah. super deep. And so I, I give the snow a little tap with the, the steel shovel I have just to see how deep the snow is. I wasn't even checking the ice. And so I take one step, two step, and I think on my third little step, boom, right through. And so immediately the steel shovel sinks. I drop that. I go in. And the only thing that saved me was I had the man plow hooked on my shoulder. And so that caught the dock or the ice. I'm not sure, but it saved me from completely going under. And so I kind of got hooked on the man plow and I was kind of dangling there and I get my bearings and I'm obviously panicking. You, you know, are you, did you completely submerge? How far? I think the just the nipple. Yeah. Nipple range up to the nip. The yeah. areolas. I was lucky to not, I would have totally freaked if I would have went under like, yeah. who knows what would have happened. Well, the chances of coming back up in the same spot are, are not good. Yeah. I've heard it's just, yeah, very scary, especially, I don't know. I was there by myself anyway. So, Thank God the man plow hooked the, the dock. And so I kind of came up, luckily turn, and I grabbed the dock. And this is where panic slowly kind of creeps in because I tried to boost myself on the dock once, twice, three times, and I could not get up. Do you I, feel like I, – I don't know how you wouldn't have freaked out. I'm. I, it's weird. In that moment, I think the – primal instincts take over. It's like, yeah. you're not, your body's in survival mode. So you're not panicking. You're like, you're, you're worried. My next, my thoughts were, should I scream? Should I scream to the ice fishermen? Should I scream to try to get my family alerted? But my kids were inside. There's no way they would have been able to hear me. The ice fisherman wouldn't have been able to help because he's, you know, far away and he can't get to me because the ice is garbage near me. So I was like, okay, plan B. What well, can I go around the dock to where I can walk up? And so I tried to, I couldn't do it. The ice was too stuffed in. I, I couldn't get around. I'm like, okay, we've been in the water 30, 45, a minute, minute 10. And so now I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried. I'm like, what if, you know, I die right here and my kids come down because they were coming down in like 10, 15 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, where's dad? Oh, there's his hat floating on the water. You know, he's, he's dead. Um, yeah. And so I start to try to get my legs up on the ice and to boost because I can boost myself up a little bit on the dock, but not enough to where I can get on top of the dock. So that's, I need to work on my upper body strength. A, but yeah. <laughs> so I, I kick my leg up, boom, falls through the ice. I'm like, okay, not good. Kick my leg up again, fall through the ice. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying different positions around the ice. Hopefully I can find a solid one. And luckily 
the fourth, third or fourth time I did it, I kicked my leg up behind me and I was able to get my leg on the ice and secure. And so I boosted myself up with my leg and pushed with my arms and rolled onto the dock. And I was like, Oh man, did you just lay there for a second? I just lay. Yeah. I was like, okay. I lay there for two or three seconds. Not long. I was like, I need to get out of here. And I just, yeah, lost a shoe, lost a couple shovels, made sure my phone worked. My phone still worked, and I made my way back up to the uh, to the house. It was so bizarre. Oh my! You so just potential risk. Like you only have a few minutes before you could go into cardiac arrest. You can uh, have shock to the point where you stop breathing. Like yeah. you were, you you. It, I know you downplay it, but like you could have had yeah. it really bad just staying in there just another minute or so. I think I'm used to cold water, which helps. I know I used to do the cold tubs at the rink and I don't know if that helped at all. I wasn't in too much of a cold shock. I remember when I played junior hockey in Chicago, we were all the, the houses that we lived at, we all billeted and we lived at a house that lived on a little pond, like a man-made pond. And I was out there with my friends on my, my teammates. We were out there one afternoon or more I can't remember and one of the guys on my team was really rich and he used to just throw money around and he's like man that water looks cold my like, ah, god doesn't look that cold he's like I'll give you a hundred bucks if you swim out 10 feet and swim back and there was a small layer of ice on it yeah. like very very small I'm like I'll do it I don't care and this was the middle of winter and I just geared down to my underwear jumped in swam out 10 feet jumped back and swam back and you know it was cold but was it worth a hundred bucks? It was totally, I would have done it again. Would yeah. you do it today? But no, I probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> you what, said a thousand. A thousand. A thousand, I'd do it. Yeah. A hundred dollars was a lot of money back, back then for me. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I, I've never been one to, I've done the polar plunges. I've never been, you know, <gasps> cold water. I take cold showers. Like I don't like a warm, warm, hot shower. So I, I like cold water. But yeah, it was scary. And then after that, just people, well, my wife put it on Instagram. So I didn't, I didn't know that she was going to do that. And so she threw it up there. And then the next thing you know, I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Onslaught of just like people. And I was like, man. Did you hear the Titanic song in your head when you're like in the water? I don't even know what that song is. It's Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Did you feel like Leo as you were like sitting there trying to get up on the dock? <laughs> no, I was like, don't die. <laughs> no. No, no Titanic. I was just in pure fight or flight mode. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine. And so, so talk to me then, like in my mind, I would instantly be like, holy shit. I just was out here with my kids like a few days ago. Yeah. You, you do think about that. It, it, you try not to, right? It's just, I, I don't like looking at the, I don't know. It'd be bad, bad news. Yeah. What are, you, are you guys going to be out? Are you going to try it again? It's been we're really, done with that. really cold. Yeah, it's been bitterly cold the last few days. I think we're done this winter with the, with the lake. This episode is brought to you by Manplow. They um, heard about the story, and they reached out to us, and we thought it would be a, a great idea for them to sponsor this episode since they saved my life. So if you haven't yet, go out, grab a Manplow. They are excellent for shoveling snow and excellent for saving your life. So double threat product. Thanks, Manplow. And if you're in the market for a shovel, use coupon code John Scott to get a nice little discount for your new shovel purchase or whatever else. They have a lot of other products. So check it out. Coupon code John Scott, Manplow. Love it. Yeah.